Hey there, welcome to the Northwest Audio Podcast, Midweek Formation. My name is Nick. I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today, we're continuing our collection of teachings on the spiritual practices and disciplines, uh, talking about silence and solitude. So, Luke, why don't you uh, take us away here? We'll hand it off to you. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about silence and solitude. Our first of the six, right, Nick? Yes. This is the first of the six? Yes. Practice Practices and disciplines, we're using those terms interchangeably. Silence and solitude, I'm glad you started with this one, Nick, because this one really does create a, uh, a foundation for the rest of them to flourish. Yeah. And so it'll be really difficult to integrate practices into your life if silence and solitude are not Mm. A foundation for which the practice's house is built on. Yeah. And so we have to, sense. you know what I mean? We if have to. If you're not to, okay with being quiet, then some of these are going to be struggle. They're going to be a huge struggle. Yeah. Like struggle, bus struggle. Like, yeah. and you, you, we have to talk about silence and solitude first. Now, hearing silence and solitude, and I'll just be totally transparent. When I heard silence and solitude for the first time uh, in spiritual formation, this was years ago. In my twenties, I I didn't know what to think. I was like, "Sounds of solitude." What, what are they talking about? It, it was a total foreign concept, and so I just want to give permissions for some of our listeners. It's okay if you're like, "What are you talking about right now?" It is totally permissible to ha- be completely naive to the practice of silence and solitude. So let's do some quick defining. Let's set a direction here. Let me cast you some vision for this so that this can be accessible for your life. And so when I say silence and solitude, um, let's let's talk about silence first, okay? And, and we'll get into the solitude second. So silence. We're going to define silence as a practice in this way. Silence is getting quiet. Silence is quieting the distractions and noise of the world to a silence so as to amplify the voice of God. So silence is actually not silence. Silence is silencing the world and the distractions and the noise and all of the things in your everyday life. It's quieting those things to a silence so as to amplify the voice of God. Now, why is this important? Um, One of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson, wrote a book called Whisper. Uh, he's a he's a pastor in D.C. and uh, a prolific author. He's written, written like 25 books. And um, one of my favorites of his is, is his book called Whisper. And, it, and the entire thesis of the book is predicated on a simple idea, which is that God doesn't yell. Mm. And God doesn't have to raise his voice. He's way more in control than that, mm. right? And so um, how do we listen to God's voice? Like how can we hear God's voice if he chooses to speak softly? Yeah. Right. Well, we have to silence the distractions and the noise of the world so as to amplify the voice of God so that we can hear him because he's not going to yell. He's not he's not going to yell and raise his voice to cut through the rest of the noisy voices. Right. And the rest of the noisy distractions. Yeah. You know what that makes me think of? I don't I haven't thought about this in a long time. I saw this recently. Um there's a place and it's in the US and it's the quietest room in the world. Oh, interesting. Like scientifically, they've put all these things in there to make it the quietest room. And 
there's like a world record, like people can't stay in there for too long or they go crazy. Like there's a record for how long and it was, I think like two hours maybe was the longest someone could stay in there because they say that when you enter into that room, it almost feels like not even like zero noise, but like negative noise. Like it's like that quiet. And if you stay in there long enough, you can hear like you can hear your blood moving. You can hear like when you move your body, you can hear your joints. Like you can hear all Whoa. of these things that you can never normally hear. Like you don't realize that your body makes sounds like that, but suddenly you start hearing that and it makes you go crazy. Jeez. So this is like perfectly like that. It's yeah. like you need to quiet everything enough to hear the things that you would never hear. Perfect. Absolutely. And I think you can draw a really great parallel from the quiet room <laughs> to yeah. your quiet room. Yes. So uh, some of the silence is presuming um, a space. Okay. And we'll get to that in a little bit here uh, later. But, you know, again, I want to define silence one more time. Defining silence as a practice. Silence is quieting the distractions and noise of the world to a silence so as to amplify the voice of God. Uh, again, why? Because God doesn't yell. You won't be able to hear his voice through the distractions and the noise of life because he won't raise his voice at you. Mm. He's too in control. He's uh, He doesn't have to. Um, he's just way more in control than that. And some of you are thinking right now, well, like silence is terrifying. It's scary uh, because it's deafening. And um, although I understand that because we live in a distracted world and a noisy world where we've come to like enjoy that distraction and yeah. enjoy that noise. Because well, nobody wants to be alone with their thoughts. That's kind of scary. It's scary. About. And there's like, there's an assumption of deafening silence. Like this is going to be, you know, the idea of being silence, silent is just, I can't handle not being distracted. I can't right. handle not being full of noise. Um, so it's, it's the godly spiritual practice of silence is actually not deafening at all. So the Hebrew word for whisper is, I hope I say this right. Dema, demama, I think it's that, or it's demama. I don't actually know for sure. Everyone's gonna judge you if it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. You can judge me for that for sure. <laughs> so, demama. That's the word for whisper in Hebrew, and it means silence, or calmness, or stillness. Okay, so we actually have um, some Old Testament, you know, an Old Testament word defining uh, silence, calmness, and stillness. Okay, that silence is going to presume solitude. You actually can't be silent. You can't quiet the voices, the noise, and the distractions in your life. If you are not in solitude, you can't quiet the world to a silence. You can't make them silent if you are not in solitude. Yeah. So one presumes the other. So I think the pairing of silence and solitude, I get why people pair these, I, I, you know, spiritual formation leaders like Richard Foster right. or John Mark Comer or any of those kinds of guys that you, everybody uses these two in a pair. Well, that's why. 
is because silence presumes solitude. Yeah. You can't get silent without solitude. You can't silent the voices of the world without solitude. You can't amplify the voice of God in your inner life with the Lord without solitude. And so that's kind of where the room comes back into play, right? So like there's there's um some teaching from Jesus <laughs> that I love so much. It's like you know, go into your inner room, like go into your secret place. <laughs> and I I love that thought because um you even talking about this, Nick, this is awesome because you talked about how like there's this quiet room, the quietest room in the world. Yeah. And I'm sure that that room has got like acoustical like technology that's just crazy. Right? Oh, yeah. They have like pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over. All over the you place. can't hear anything. Right, right, right. So what I think is interesting is that most people's clothes closets have clothes in them and clothes are a natural sound absorption, right? Yeah. And so like there's, I don't know, there's just something interesting about the whole idea of like escaping to like this closet. <laughs> that <laughs> full, is that full, is quiet. Yeah, full of all of your garments that have the ability to absorb sound, right? And although you can almost like hear your ears listening nothing, does it make yep. sense? There's like a little bit of a ringing. A little bit of a ring, in. a little yeah. bit of a static. And I mean, that's when you know. That's when you know you found some solitude. That's when you know it's really quiet. It's really quiet. <laughs> and, you know, in my context is like, dude, I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And in this, in this growing church, I have the noisiest, most distracted life of anyone I know <laughs> because of just my kids' volume. Yeah. My kids are just so loud. Kids love to, to, love to yell. Oh my great gosh, time. dude. They're just so loud. And so I'll be honest with you, even a closet full of garments doesn't work for my context. Yeah. My kids will find me there. <laughs> they will find you. <laughs> Absolutely. And so some of you are in my reality with growing kids in a demanding job. Um, and you're just like, dude, there is no such thing as a quiet place in my life. There's no quiet room. There's no place where I can silence and quiet the noise in my life. There's no solitude for me, to which I would say, there is. And let's talk. Let's let's talk about that here here in a minute. We've defined silence. Let's define solitude, because solitude is not being by yourself. That is not what solitude means at all. Mm. That's what isolation means. Isolation is being by yourself. Yeah. Isolation is being alone. That's not what solitude is at all. Solitude is retreating to be with God and God only. Mm. That's a great. Uh the word separation of those two things those two ideas yes isolation is where your soul goes to die because you are with nobody you are with yourself and yourself only we talk about thoughts that are destructive and habits that are destructive to cope with that isolation to cope with that loneliness i've never known anybody to pair solitude and loneliness yeah it's only isolation and loneliness yeah, it's true solitude is retreating to be with god and god only and although the times have been few and far between that I've enjoyed that and experienced that, um, I have been able to find solitude in my everyday rhythm of life simply because after my wife and children fall asleep, I'm afforded some time mm -hmm. where my kids don't yell or scream. My wife and I are done debriefing the day. She fell asleep. 
I have 20 to 45 minutes of undistracted time. That's all I get. Like people with kids that are listening to this understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. It is impossible to find quiet in your life. It's impossible to, to, to quiet the voices of the world. Yes. To a silence. If you don't have solitude. Unless Remember, you just leave your kids. <laughs> yeah. Which and is not what God's called that's, you to do. That's not, that's not the, the best thing to do there. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, one-year-old. Fend for yourself. Yep. I have to go get some silence. Why don't you just go make <laughs> yourself some mac and cheese, buddy? Um, I want to go talk to God. Um, no, not at all. And so, okay, to review this this simple idea, and then I'm going to call you all out here. So, um, again, silence is quieting the distractions and noise of the world to a silence, to amplify God's voice. Silence presumes. It assumes that you are in a place of solitude. Solitude, retreating to be with God and God only. You are not by yourself. You're with God, okay? Here's the big problem. The problem is we are so conditioned to be kept alive emotionally by the distractions of this world and the noise that the world produces. The thought of decoupling ourselves from that noise and decoupling ourselves from those distractions is almost like too much to bear. Yeah. It's like, how can I possibly retreat? Well, in the second everything stops, what's the first thing you do? First thing you do is pull out your phone or you turn on the TV. Because you distract you're like, yourself. I need, I need something to do. And this is the thing that I'm going to do. Yes. And this is where I reserve the right to call all of our listeners out. You have to ID your primary hurdle. Yeah. You have to ID your primary roadblock to that time of solitude because because you do have it available you're just choosing not to use that time to be in solitude so as to silence the world's distractions and voices to amplify gods and so this is where all of us are guilty of the exact same thing humans love distracting themselves i don't want to deal with my emotions i don't want to deal with my fears i don't even know if i want to talk to god because mm-hmm. if I talk to God, I'll have to face the music. Yeah. I'll have to face what's going on inside of me. Yeah. So this is a huge problem. The problem is, is that we would all rather be distracted than be in God's presence. Yeah. Okay. And so where you go and what you do when you have available time was your time for silence and solitude. Yeah. And as much as you might not want to admit that all you have to do is is look back and meditate on your day and id the times that you were distracted yeah when were all the times that you just pulled out your phone because you didn't know what to do that was your available time a great great example of this this is a, a difficult challenge for most people if you are let's just let's just walk through a scenario okay you have a doctor's appointment you're in the car driving to your doctor's appointment. What do you do? Do you listen to music? Do you do something like that? Do you talk to somebody on the phone? That's time that you could spend sitting with God. Okay, so now you pull into the doctor's office and you go inside and maybe it's not on the first floor and so you have to get into the elevator. What's the first thing you do when you get in that elevator? The first thing you do is you either stand there uncomfortably because you don't want to talk to people, obviously, um, or... You take out your phone as to not feel bad about not talking to the people that are next to you, okay? That's time that you could have spent with God, even just in a a simple prayer. Just like a, wow, God's good today. 
Like even that is quieting the rest of the world to hear only one thing, and that is the truth of God. Okay, so now you get off the elevator and you go into the waiting room. What do you do in the waiting room? You probably pull out your phone. That's time that you could spend. I, I will tell you this. I went to the dentist once and told myself that I wasn't going to pull out my phone in the waiting room, and it might have been the weirdest, most tense thing that I've ever felt. Because I sat there and wanted to pull my phone out so bad, but I just made myself sit and just be quiet. Just be still. And just look around the room. Look around. The, look at the people that are in there. Just observe the room. Be aware of your breath. Be aware of where you're sitting, the way you're sitting. And just take some time to just, to just pray. Like just in your head. Like those are all times. Those are all times that everybody has that you could be spending with God in some way. So that's just that's just one example right there of a of a time that you're going to the doctor's office. That's what three three different times or four different times that you can spend with God just in one activity. Yeah, those are great. Those are absolutely great. Uh, you know, thinking through like another person's schedule. Mo- you know, most of us are pretty alike. We have like a schedule that we live by, mm-hmm. and most humans are the same in that way. And um, I think that the transitionary moments of the day are the times that we distract ourselves the most. Yep. And so transitioning from asleep to awake, I think it was Simon Sinek that said, if the first thing you go to is your phone when you wake up, um, you're not ahead, you're addicted. Mm. And I thought that was so powerful because most of us are addicted. Yeah. We're, we're, if the first thing we grab is our phone when we wake up, that's actually a totally new thing for maybe our generation and maybe generation before first time in the history of humanity that something like that's even been possible. Yeah. Right. And so most of us are just addicted. We're just addicted to productivity and to schedule maintenance and to all those kinds of things. To news. To news. Just general distractions. Right. The transitionary moment from being asleep to being awake, it, what we actually need is a moment with the Lord. Yeah. So as to set the tone for the day. Yeah. Before we go to sleep, after we've had a full day of ups and downs and joys and delights and train, pains and traumas, again, that transitionary moment from going awake to now going to sleep needs its own um, mood setting thing. Um, and so what do we do? We fall asleep watching YouTube or whatever <laughs> or social media. Again, distractions. Yeah. That was your time. Your distractions were your time for silence and solitude. Yeah. And no one is per- I mean, I dude, I'm guilty of this too. Oh, but I'm so guilty of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, but just because you're guilty of it doesn't mean you can't like begin pursuing um unlearning that habit. Yeah, that all, habit. I mean, all you have to do is just start. That's all it takes. Just one day at a time. Yeah. Like how can you start this right now? Do it before you go to bed tonight. Yep. Tonight. Okay. Don't worry about doing it every single night. Don't worry about doing it. I'm going to do it every night for a week or anything like that. Just do it tonight. Yep. Just do it tonight. So let's talk about one kind of last thing here. Why is any of this even important? Why is any of this um, so critical 
yeah. to following Jesus? Why is silence and solitude worth people's time? Well, I'll tell you. Um, practices um, fail to be helpful if we don't understand that they are necessary mm. for our spiritual wellness and our ministry. Yeah. So I'll just speak to my context because I can't speak to anybody else's. But you can prepare and prepare. So, you know, I preach 30 times a year, okay? And that's one of the things I do. And this is just a perfect example, but I preach 30 times a year. And I can actually go back and I can jump on YouTube and I can show you the Sundays where I felt like I was overprepared. Like I had spent hours in the text, exegeting, learning the original languages. Right. I've, I've manuscript this thing down to the very period and comma and all the things. Everything was was dialed in. But I've spent very little time with the Lord. I just spent a lot of time in the text. I can also show you Sundays where I put in just a, a, a normal amount of time into the text, right. but I paired that with genuine set-apart time in prayer, confession, um, contrition, um, qu- silence and solitude. Yeah, quieting the voices and the noise of the world to a silence so I can hear God's voice. And I can point back to those Sundays and be like, the power was there Mm. because I first sat in the presence of God before I called everyone else to as well, right? And so this is true that the preaching is just an example. I could point to meetings. I could point to prayers. I could point to staff meetings. I could point to major leadership decisions. I could point to my family time. I could point to one thing after the other and say, silence and solitude, like Richard Foster says, is the furnace of transformation. Mm. Yeah. And if we want our families, if we want our ministries, if we want this church to be set on fire by the Holy Spirit, and to break through cultural barriers, and to reach the lost, and to disciple the found, and to send the saved, if we want all of those things, we should not be frustrated we don't have those things. If we're not linking up and being present with God in silence and solitude, so that we can pray, so that we can um, lament, so that we can call upon his His name, so we can seek his face. And um, for any of my friends in ministry, if you feel like you're low on spiritual power, it's not because God's power is not available. It's because you haven't gone to go get it. Yeah. You go and get it when you get quiet. You go get it when you go and get alone with God. That's where power comes from. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. What would you say for the person who is like, you know, what is it, what is it, what is it like to hear from God? You know, that kind of thing of like, I got by myself, now what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do, will I hear his voice audibly? Will I hear a whisper? Will I, like, what, 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 what is that like? You know, um, what can I expect? Do I have to do anything else? Or do I just have to get in the closet now? Just, I just now I just sit there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, like I just sit there and wait. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, no, that's, that's a really solid point, brother. I would actually say this. So like, the Spirit discerns authenticity and genuine better than anybody, right? Yeah. So God, the Holy Spirit, will be able to separate bone and marrow. He, he knows when you're being genuine and when you're, you're not. I think it's Jeremiah 29, 13 that says, you will find me when you yep. seek me with all of your heart, yep. or I guess all of your will and intention, right? And so 
in one sense, like if you go to seek spiritual practices and you seek solitude and silence, my guess is that you won't hear from God. If you go and mm. seek God, but in the context of silence and solitude, mm. you're going to hear his voice. If you're seeking the practice over the person of Jesus, the practice won't serve you well. If you're seeking Jesus in the context of the practice, you're yeah. going to hear his voice better. Yeah, that's good. So like sit down, you know, maybe have a Bible with you and just like, just pray and just sit there and just say like, Jesus, I'm, I'm seeking you out. Yep. You know, like Jesus, I'm seeking you out and just sit. Just think about him. That's one of the things that I do when I when I spend time in, in solitude is I'll sit there and um, I'll either like quiet my mind completely and just not think about anything and just like just sit in that, sit in the silence because there's something just kind of therapeutic about that. Um, or I'll I'll sit there and I'll just think about God. I'll just start like listing off attributes that I that I know about God and that I that I appreciate about God, that I'm grateful for about God. Um, and, and I'll find that, you know, there's one thing that speaks to me and so I'll write it down. Um, and I'll just kind of sit in that, I'll kind of sit with that word for a little bit. Um, and over time, God just kind of like pieces together this message, you know what I mean? This, this, um, this puzzle that he wants me to just sit in. Um, and, and almost always it's exactly what I needed. It's exactly what I needed to hear and exactly what I needed to understand in that moment of my life. Um, and so it's really just being open. It's being open to what God, um, wants to show you and where he wants to take you. Um, and just kind of allowing space for that. I mean, that's what this whole thing is. It's creating space, creating space for God to fill. Yep. Um, and so this is just a really, a really great way to, um, create a a quiet space for the whisper of God to cut through. Yeah. And when you try this family, when you find your place of solitude, your quiet room, <laughs> don't take your phone with you. Do not take your phone. You will feel like functionally naked, but yes. you must leave your phone. <laughs> paper Bible. If you want, if you bring a Bible, paper Bible. Um, last week I mentioned the the Bayma podcast, creating a space, um, and Marty Solomon. In that, he a mentor had told him, "Hey, you know, um, I have a challenge for you. Take a get a Bible." and a sack lunch and go to this like nearby lake and sit there at that lake by yourself with the sack lunch and Bible for eight hours. Just sit there for eight hours. And he was like, what the heck? Like that's ridiculous. And so he went and he said that about four hours in, he finally got himself to quiet down. Like finally got his brain completely quiet. And, and he, he said that it was like a weight had come off his shoulders and he could actually just listen and be present with God. Um, now I'm not saying like, Hey everybody, you're not doing this right. If you're not going out for eight hours, (laughs) like that's not, that's not like a, a thing that we're saying, you know, this is the goal. And if once we get to here, then we've made it. Um, I say that in order to reveal like, Hey, like if you spend time in the quiet, the whisper will cut through. If you take time to just be with yourself, no phone, just a, just a paper Bible, maybe a sack lunch, and you just sit and you just enjoy the presence of God, you will be surprised at how present he is and how near he is. So yeah, 
One final thought on the whisper language, and we'll close shop here. Uh, what I really appreciated about um, Mark Batterson's book called Whisper, and it's a great read for anybody who's wanting to better hear God's voice in their life on a kind of daily basis, and the different doors he opens for that, is that if you think about whisper, and you think about whispering, no human has been able to whisper something across the room and the other human be able to hear it. Oh, that's good. Right? The whisper can only be heard if the person whispering whispers it right up to your ear, like you've leaned in. They're close. They're close. Mm. And so the whisper, again, presumes closeness. Right? That's really good. And so so if if silence presumes solitude, we can't quiet the the voices and noise of the world to silence if we're not by ourselves with God and God only. The only way that we will be able to hear those whispers in the solitude is nearness. As if, if, as if we're close. Right? God is offering that whisper. Yeah. He doesn't have to yell. He, there's no reason for him to yell. We just have to bring ourselves close enough. We have to bring ourselves close enough. And get ourselves quiet enough. I think that's what he wants, man. He There's just this, I think that we see God have a desire. He's like, wow. man, I just want to like be in my, in my children's presence. That's great. And, you know, it's really funny because, you know, I know Judea is really, really young. Mm-hmm. But speaking to like my context of like a five, three and one year old, like the things I tell my five and three year old, like the real special things between daddy and daughter, I'll like whisper into their ear. Like I'll say something like, you are my favorite five year old in the, in the whole world, Neela. You are a delight to me. and I love you. Her, you know, her eyes kind of like brighten and her smile melts or whatever. I'll say the same thing to see. I'll like, see, you're my favorite three year old in the whole world. Like I, I just delight in you, and I like I'll whisper these things into their ears. They've caught on. Now they'll whisper things back into my ears. They're they're usually like, "Can I have candy?" You know, like <laughs> <laughs> they're typical things of a. We see where their priorities are at. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Much discipleship to be done in my daughter's lives. <laughs> they're like, "I'll delight you. If you give me candy. <laughs> if you give me candy." But again, you, you you catch it right. You catch you catch the the mood there. The mood is man. There's just something about being in solitude with God, quieting the world's mm-hmm. noises and distractions so that the Father in heaven can whisper into your ear, I love you, I delight in you, you are my favorite 36-year-old Luke, I know. There are other 36-year-old Lukes. Are you saying <laughs> that you're better? Are you, are you better than every other 36-year-old Maybe I should just Luke? use my middle. You're my favorite Luke Joseph Edgerton. There are probably some of those There probably too. is. You totally ruined my like... <laughs> point you ruined my like analogy there but it's fine that's fine you got the point you got, yeah, the, I got point. the point <laughs> <laughs> no that's really good though is in order to hear god and to be present with god and, and like in order for him to whisper that into your ear you have to be quiet enough and close enough come on now that's just that's just really powerful that's a great way to end it that's good if you have questions or things that you want us to talk about on the podcast um you can let us know by going to the media tab on our website at mercyroadnw.com. And we encourage you to do that. Okay. If the, whether there are questions about Sunday mornings or questions about what we talk about here on midweek formation, um, we welcome all questions on our website. You'll also be able to find more details and information about our community and you can get a hold of me or Luke there as well. If you go to our staff page. So thanks for joining us and we will talk to you again soon. Soon.